Welcome to the Eric Erickson Show podcast, Hour 3. Greetings. Welcome. How are you? Ready for Christmas? I am. It is Eric Erickson here. It's my show. The phone number is 877-973-7425. Before I go any further, um, I, I, I think I found a priest. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who reached out. I think I got one. Um, and also, could someone do me a favor? Could could someone uh, in the Southeast please go to the local police department and file a missing persons report for me while I'm on radio? Um, there's the, the, the sun. It's this yellow orb that tends to be in the sky and provide both warmth and light. Haven't seen it in the last week. I'm starting to get a little concerned. There's this gray muddy mess outside instead of the sun. I'm really, really, really starting to miss the sun, y'all. Literally have not seen the sun since sometime middle of last week. Um, I'm really ready for some sunshine. I'm I'm supposed to go play golf on Thursday. Would really like to see some sun. Um, please, Lord, blow the clouds away and give us some sunlight. I'm not a person who is affected by the seasonal uh, whatever it is, disorder that that some people, I, I have family members who actually suffer depression during the winter because of the lack of sunlight. I'm not one of those people, but I really could use the sun right now. I just would very much like it. It can be very cold. I mean, give me like 20 degrees and sunshine and I'll take it right now because this 50 degrees and, and damp and cloudy and foggy and drizzly, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of it. Now, going to move on. Charlie, we may need to put this in the I told you so file. Part of this. Because I told you so. And I can predict the future. University or what is it? Suffolk University and USA Today have conducted a poll Republican support for Donald Trump's presidential bid in 2024 has cratered. By two to one, Republicans and Republican-leaning voters now say they want Trump's policies, but not Trump. Only 31% want the former president. 61% prefer some other Republican nominee who would continue the policies. Of those, two-thirds are inclined to support Ron DeSantis, by double digits, 56 to 33, they prefer DeSantis over Trump. The findings are a red flag for Trump, of course. After the November election, I was on social media and I said, there is a noticeable shift I continue to get angry emails from people who yell at me that I'm a never-Trumper. And I had a lady the other day. She emailed and demanded not only do I cancel her subscription to my Substack, but I refund her money in full because I am never-Trump, she said. If you would like to take her subscription, you can text DATA to 33777, and I'll even give you a 15% discount. Just click the first link. She wanted her money back. She wanted nothing to do with me because she said I was never Trump. Demographically, I still get emails from people, and we still get occasional callers to this program. 
who yell at me that I hate Donald Trump. I don't hate the man. Disagree with him. It's not my cup of tea. Don't hate the man. I just don't think he's the way forward. And they can't let it go. I'm not making this up. It is not an exaggeration. Every single one of the people who has done that angrily emailed or called is well above their middle 50s. Most of them were never involved in politics before Donald Trump, and they'll probably go away when he's gone. I don't get 20, 30, and 40-somethings who are that worked up about it. I get 50, 60, and 70-year-olds who very much are. And I understand their concerns. They feel like Trump was a fighter, their country slipping away, and Donald Trump was there to save it, but he lost. Whether you believe the election was stolen or not, somehow he's the only Republican who can get an election stolen from him. Most Republicans, this polling confirms what I noticed after the election, are ready to move on to someone who can actually win the popular vote, something Donald Trump never has. But there's more to it than that. So when I went online and I pointed out, even my callers and emailers, the hate mailers included, email and and call and direct message and send the hate mail that, that they'll never listen again, they'll never read again or what have you. There's, there's something that happened. The never-Trumpers, the actual real never-Trumpers, I coin, helped coin the term. My buddy Aaron Gardner, I think, actually came up with it. I was the first person to popularize it. It's kind of funny now. People get mad at me for supporting Trump in 2020. They say, you betrayed never-Trump, and you don't even know what never-Trump means. Like, I'm the one who actually brought it to popularity. I'm literally the first person who ever wrote a piece in a mainstream publication entitled Never-Trump. I am that guy. And those never-Trumpers are now like, well, nope, I don't believe it. I don't believe the data. I don't believe you. They're too committed to it. The people who hate Trump the most are the ones who need Trump to stick around the longest. The never-Trumpers made their, their claim on Trump, and I moved on and realized by 2020 that the parties are you're never going to get a third party. You're never going to get anybody better than a Republican or a Democrat. Might as well pick between the two, and I'm sure as hell not going to go with a Democrat. But a lot of these people, they became Democrats, and many of them, the common tie is they're pro-abortion. They don't care about that issue at all. They're not social conservatives, so they can comfortably say they're never Trump, and it has become never Republican for them. But what is striking to me is when I pointed out after the election that actually people are moving on, people are changing, people are people are looking different, people are ready to move forward. They're trying to find someone who can give us those sorts of policies, who can also win the popular vote. These never Trumpers are like, that'll never happen. These people, they can't let him go there's no way we won't let them let him go and there's another group the only trumpers it is donald trump or else they will take their football they will go home they will only vote for him many of these people have a financial just like the never trump people the only trump people have a financial incentive to not let go of trump The never-Trump people came to fame 
by opposing Donald Trump at all costs. They cannot believe that the Republicans would ever move from Trump. They do not want it to happen because they would lose money, lose fame, and lose their stature and standing if the Republican Party moved on from Donald Trump, and they will do everything possible to promote and keep Donald Trump around. And if not Trump, the never-Trumpers will claim that the person who is not Trump is suddenly worse than Trump or the second coming of Trump because they are defined and want to be defined by their opposition to Trump. The only Trump people are also financially incentivized to keep it Donald Trump. To the extent that the never Trump people are in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, a lot of the only Trump people are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, except the young guys who built their social media followings by humping Donald Trump's leg, they can't let Donald Trump go because it made them who they are. And so it can be only Donald Trump and never anyone else. And to the extent that they say it'll be someone else, they may privately go vote in the polls for someone else. But publicly, there can be only Trump for these people. And what's happening is the majority of the Republican Party is moving on. They want to find someone with Trump-like policies who is definitely not him. The only Trumpers can't let him go. The never Trumpers can never let him go. Because both the never Trump and the only Trump make money off of Donald Trump. When never Trump and only Trump are the two groups that make all their money off of Donald Trump, there's no way for them to see a narrative changing. There's no way for them to see a shift in the voters. There's no way for them to see the Republican Party moving on. Because if the Republican Party does move on, they lose money, both never Trump and only Trump. And because they're loud voices on social media, they get to help set the trends for what the media covers. And so they both together embrace the idea that the Republican Party will never let go of Donald Trump. You hear that in the talking points of members of the media who cover the Republican Party. And meanwhile, the data itself shows the Republican Party is moving on. And that's a good thing. It's time to get a winner. Let's go to the phones. Joe, you're going to be up next. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, Eric. Um, I'd like to comment on what you were just talking about. I'm neither a never-Trumper or an always-Trumper or only-Trumper, but someone needs to tell him, I don't know who it would be, that he is unelectable. All the Democrats hate him. Half the Republicans hate him. Now, if he were the nominee, I would vote for him against any Democrat, but he is unelectable and someone needs to point that out to him. Yeah. And, you know, I I think maybe perhaps he will figure it out. Um, The people I know who are in his direct orbit say everyone is a little frustrated by his announcement not going over very well. Um, I do think it had more to do with fundraising than actually running for president in 2024. But, I mean, the data's just there. Joe, thanks very much for the phone call. The, the data is there that um, he may have been a the guy we needed at the time, but not necessarily now. Um, the majority of the public is ready to move on bet- from Biden and from Trump, and the majority of Republicans are ready to move on t- to someone who can give us his policies but win. And, you know, the reality is if Donald Trump runs in 2024 – whether it's Nikki Haley or Mike Pompeo or Ron DeSantis or you name it, he'll be running against people who were able to win the popular vote. Donald Trump's never done that, even as he won with the Electoral College in 2016. Gary, welcome to the show. 
Hey, Eric, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing good today. Listen, uh, I, I'm from West Palm Beach. I've met Donald Trump before. I was all enthusiastic. I loved him. And I'm telling you, he was a great president because he loved our country and he loved the people. But and, my and wife still does, I think. Not, not past is there. He does. Correct, correct. And we, that's what I loved about him the most. But I think that my wife and I are going to move on also because we just don't want to hear all the crap in the country for the next four years, you know, with the news and the this and, you know, with them going after him and nothing will ever get done. Yeah, you know? it, it becomes a distraction. And, you know, part of me wonders if he's if he's useful in that regard in the Republican primaries. He he serves as a distraction. People, the media, they can't help but obsess over him. And maybe that helps somebody else for a while while he's the distraction. I don't know. But I just I it just seems like. Regardless of where you stand on Donald Trump, love him, hate him, have no opinion on him, although most people do, or Joe Biden, it just seems to me that the country can do better than one of two 80-year-olds leading the country. Um, uh, it just Getting someone a little younger in there would, would probably be a good thing. So, listen, Gary, thanks very much for the phone call. Merry Christmas to you. I, I just, listen, again, I don't care where you stand on the issue, although... It very much seems to me the never Trump people and the only Trump people they are, um, they're they're stuck on Trump uh, because both of them have tied their fortunes and reputations to him one way or the other, and everyone else is ready to move on. And so you have all these stories in the media constantly. Well, the Republican Party will never move on from Donald Trump. The Republican Party is stuck on Donald Trump. Well, it just happens to be the loudest voices on social media are stuck on him one way or the other. Everybody else is moving on, but the news stories don't reflect that because they listen to the loudest social media voices, all of whom profit by Donald Trump staying around on the stage. A friend of mine and I were discussing Bull and Branch sheets the other night when he was sitting on the front porch with me, and he didn't believe that they got softer and softer every time you washed them. His wife was not convinced at all. She figured it was all marketing hype. Now she wants Bull and Branch sheets for all of their beds at home. Why? Because they really do get softer every time you wash them. They're free of toxins, pesticides, harsh chemicals at every step of the process. They're the finest 100% organic cotton on earth. They're made by artisans who earn the pay and the respect they deserve and right now you can bring home a better night's sleep this holiday season with bowl and branch bedding their signature sheets even come wrapped and ready in a beautiful holiday gift box it's going to look good it's going to feel great for a limited time get 20 percent off your first set of sheets and free shipping when you use promo code eric at bowlandbranch.com that's bowlandbranch b-o-l-l-a-n-d branch.com promo code is eric e-r-i-c-k at bowlandbranch.com Welcome back. You can text the word data to 33777 and get a subscription to my daily email and replace the lady who said she could never read me again because she disagreed with me on what I said on radio. Wow. Some people are sensitive. I, I do have to say, I've also gotten emails from people who I'm glad people write and say, I, you shouldn't have said this or that. Um, I don't listen just so you know, just, just so you know, I don't ever Listen to any of those emails. People call and you you upset me when you said this. You shouldn't have said that. You made light of this. You you didn't. You you were too angry about that. You weren't angry enough about this. I don't listen to those. You feel do please believe you can write me. Um, 
just don't expect me to listen to you. Uh, no offense, but um, the number of people who tell me how to do my job uh, is <laughs> disproportionate to the number of people who could do my job. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, let's see. I don't listen. I don't mean that to sound like I got to be careful. I'm just the, there's a method to my madness and people always chime in and you should do this thing. I don't like differently. And I, I if I spent all my time doing what everybody wanted, I wouldn't be doing my show. I'd be doing someone else's Tracy. You're going to be up next. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great and feeling more informed reading your email. And I Thank saw you. an article on there where our Secretary of State in Georgia, Brad, can't say his last name, Raffensperger, is going to propose rank choice voting for the state of Georgia. So help me understand, Eric, (laughs) why a Republican would propose this or even think of proposing it, given its disastrous effect once it's implemented, and why or how Republicans can stop this stupid idea before it gains any traction and could this be an opportunity for your call to action mechanism well so we can flood the secretary of state's office to say listen stupid bad idea (laughs) listen um brad raffensperger uh is a very nice guy is also an engineered and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that some of the loudest voices supporting this are engineers and nerds and engineers. Um, they want to give efficiency to an inefficient process. I understand their temptation. It's a terrible idea in large part because where it happens, uh, what we tend to find with ranked choice voting is it, it actually eliminates the conservatives and the progressives. And so you do get a bunch of mushy moderates overall um, who get the nominations. We do ranked choice voting and third parties tend to do a little better. So they love it. Um, I just think it's a terribly complex idea and we got a bunch of stupid voters. And why do we want to add complexities at a time? Most of them think the system's already rigged against them. You're just going to create new conspiracy theories. You're going to add complexity to a system that some people already find too complex and it's just not needed. I, I don't like the runoffs, but I do like that at the end of the day, we get a clear choice between two candidates who differ and the voters got to pick between them. I will tell you, I don't think the call to action will be necessary because enough members of the state legislature from the Republican side have already texted me during the show because I talked about it the first hour that to me, it looks like it's dead on arrival. Um, There's no appetite for it uh, and there shouldn't be. I mean, just look at how, how long it takes to count the vote in Alaska, New York City, Maine, everywhere they use ranked choice voting. It's just it's a convoluted mess. And it looks like it's dead on arrival, which is good for me. All right. Those of you who are on the phones, hang on. I've only got a minute here. Can't do justice to your phone call. Uh, But in five minutes, I'll be back. And I want to take your phone calls. I also need to talk to you about the RNC fight with Rona McDaniel. I've had a number of elected officials from the Senate, various governors, even members of the RNC reach out to me and talk to me about the Rona McDaniel fight. And they've put some different perspective on it that I think I should share with you on the RNC fight. Also, two out of every five Americans believe the end of the world is upon us. Three out of every five Christians believe the end of the world is upon us. Theologically, they're right. Um, Metaphysically, they're probably wrong. 
If I have time, I want to talk about that. People really do feel like we are in the end times. And yep, I'm one of them, but I want to tell you my thoughts on it and where we go from here. And I want to take your phone calls, 877-973-7425. We'll be back. I want to tell you guys a little about a group I've been working with, Americans for Prosperity. Maybe you've heard of them. They're the largest grassroots network in the country fighting to expand freedom and opportunity so that we can unleash prosperity in America again. Here's what I like about Americans for Prosperity. They focus on building movements at the community level, not Washington, D.C. That's actually how I first came to know them, in Georgia, helping rise up the Tea Party movement in 2010. They understand we're not going to find solutions in Washington. we got to take power out of Washington. That's going to have to come from Americans like you outside the Beltway bubble. That's why I'm excited to partner with Americans for Prosperity to provide an effective platform where we can talk to our fellow Americans and advocate for solutions to the most critical challenges facing the country. I encourage you to learn more about Americans for Prosperity by going to americansforprosperity.org slash Eric. Hello there. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here across the nation. The phone number 877-973-7425. I want to take Lee's phone call. Lee, welcome to the show. Hi. Um, I had a response to a previous caller, which I agree that Trump loves America. But I don't agree with the fact that he doesn't at this moment have America's best interest at heart by wanting to run, because I agree, he's unelectable right now. So I, your thoughts I, on that? I, listen, Lee, I, I'm, I'm glad you say that, because um, when I say it, I, I get a lot of hate mail. So <laughs> I, I just, well, I want to win. If, if he, yeah, well, if, well if, he, if he was elected, well, if he ran, I would vote for him. But mm-hmm. I don't think he's electable, and we need a Republican in the White House. Bottom line. I agree very much. Um, I, I, I do very much agree with that. we got to have a Republican, and, and we're going to have to have one who can, who can transcend some of the issues out there right now. So, Lee, thank you very much for the phone call. Uh, speaking of the Republicans, Axios has a story out about the RNC fight and Rona McDaniel, who appears to be cruising to reelection. And I've I've got thoughts. I want you to hear them. Rona McDaniel is the second longest serving chair of the RNC. Reince Priebus, her predecessor, is the only one to have served longer than her. She, of all the RNC chairs going back to 1856 and the founding of the Republican Party, has the worst record. She has never had an election season where her team outperformed every single time. They've either lost or underperformed. What is notable to me is that the RNC committee men and women are ready to reelect her, even though she has the worst record of losses of any chair of the Republican Party in history. Let me say that again. Rona McDaniel is the second longest serving RNC chair in the history of the party going back to 1856. She also has the worst record of any RNC chair and she is set to win re-election. Were she a college football coach, she would have been fired long ago with a win-loss record like she has. But RNC members will descend to further irrelevance 
by putting her back into power. The reason I am told by many people involved in the decision-making process is that she is good at fundraising. Those of us on the outside misunderstand the role of the RNC. It is all about fundraising and setting the calendar for the presidential race. I've had more than one governor tell me the RNC simply does not matter anymore and that the fighting for control of the RNC has become more existential and nasty as it descends into irrelevance. One governor who is named as a potential presidential candidate for 2024 tells me it flat out does not matter that the super PACs will be the ones that actually control the show, that yes, the RNC controls the calendar. This particular governor does not perceive there really will be a bias for Trump, In his estimation, and frankly, in the estimation of other people I've talked to, the RNC really doesn't have as much love for Trump anymore as they once did. Even the diehard acolytes want to win, and they don't think he can win, so they won't shake up the calendar to his benefit. And ultimately, the job of the RNC doesn't matter because of leadership packs and super packs. It's just not relevant. Uh, Multiple governors, one in particular, told me that uh, the RGA, Republican Governors Association, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, and the National uh, Republican Congressional Committee, the RGA, the NRSC, and the NRCC matter way more than the RNC matters. That this is the first time the RNC has mattered so little. A senator actually texted me this morning based on the comments I left for Axios. And the senator says, this is actually the logical outcome of Citizens United, that the parties are far less significant than they used to be. Both the DNC and the RNC are not necessary entities anymore. They are helpful, but not necessary. They actually uh, are overrun now by the super PACs and the leadership PACs, and that the candidates can form super PACs and rely on donors who bypass the party apparatus for their own. I know here in Georgia, for example, the Republican leaders of the state have created a leadership pack controlled by Brian Kemp, and they're funneling all the money that would go into the Georgia Republican Party into this leadership pack. As long as the current chairman is there, they will not use the Georgia uh, Republican Party. They do not believe it does a good job. They do not trust the chair until they'll use a leadership pack and render the party bankrupt and meaningless. They're okay with that because they don't think they're getting their value out of it. So all of this is to say, while you and I can look at the RNC chairman fight and scratch our head, why would you return someone to power who has such a terrible record? Most of the elected officials I know tell me that when I talk to them that it doesn't matter. The party's useless these days. Uh, You you, you let these people fight and, and they stay out of the way and get distracted by the RNC and all the competent people go to the super PACs and the leadership PACs and the campaigns and they matter. It's a very interesting take I had not considered. To her credit, Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, has been one of the most outspoken Republican leaders saying with a win-loss record like that, Rona McDaniel needs to go. I agree with her, and I thank her for her bravery and being outspoken on the issue. I just find it very notable that so many of the elected officials I talk to, from the Senate to the House to the governor's, to even members of the RNC itself say the party just doesn't matter as much as it used to. And her winning at least preserves a status quo that doesn't get in anyone's way and doesn't actually stack the chairs or put a thumb on the scale for Donald Trump. So there you have it. That really is not my take. Um, That's the take of elected officials around the country. 
at least two presidential wannabes, multiple governors, some senators, members of Congress, and RNC committeemen themselves weighing in that they just they don't think the the party matters as much as it used to. And that it's what's really striking there are the people who sit on the committee who say that. Now, back to the phones, 877-973-7425. Michael, you're going to be up next. Welcome. How you doing, Eric? Love your show. Thank you. Incredible. Love it, love it, love it. I wanted to touch real quickly on the 2020 election. How You know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, whether it's been stolen or not and all that. And I was telling your screener that, you know, I'm trying to figure out why the conversation has never come up about the influence of social media. Like it's so huge in this country. I got lots of friends, you know, on Facebook and, you know, Instagram, you know, people that sell products, you know, they influence greatly on what they do and, and how they live based on, well, you know, what they see and talk about on social media, but it's never been brought up that at least on any conversation that I've heard over the radio or even on your show on how this could not be a part of the fraudulent, well, you can't say fraudulent, but I'll just say the, the election from 2020 being influenced so badly for lack of information um, to the people where they can make a, a, a strong decision um, based on the candidate they have in front of them. I, I, I can see how that can take so much away from Donald Trump and how he could have really have won that election, you know, um, based on what went on with these shows. Well, you know, I I, I I got to say, um, part of the issue here is the Clinton camp makes the same argument from 2016 beyond the Russia stuff that uh, the ability of information to circulate based on her emails from James Colmey, the FBI director, saying that actually there was more investigation coming out right before the election, that that circulating on social media, making it into the media, impacted her election. The Trump team says that uh, had the Hunter Biden information been able to circulate on social media, that could have shaken up the election, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I look, I, I, I don't actually uh, disagree with that, that that could be. Uh, that's different from a stolen election. There certainly is a control of information, but also historically that's something that's gone on forever. I mean, the National Press Corps covered up John F. Kennedy's infidelities and health situation. Uh, The National Press Corps covered up the extent of Franklin Roosevelt's disability uh, because they were afraid the election would, would shift against him. The national media has tended to side with Democrats forever and been selective about information they report about Democrats forever. This is nothing new. It's just evolved in its form. But also, I would keep in mind that less than 10% of the nation is an active user on social media, and only 20% of the nation um, is really engaged at all on Twitter. So it's not as many people as you and I might think. Uh, Back to the phones. Bradley, you're going to be the last caller. Welcome. Hey, it's an honor to be here talking with you. So I kind of have a point. I'm going to try my best to articulate it. Uh, I, I really want to know what does it look like? What, how is, what's the right way to, to do this when all the information that comes out that needs to come out of Hunter Biden's laptop that puts 
Joe Biden in his business deals, and I'm not saying, you know, there has to be a tit for tat since they're going after Trump. They got to go after Biden. But there's so much information that the whole nation's just sitting back and watching. What what is the right way to do this and like what will it look like? So, okay, um, that's a great question because here's my personal theory, Bradley. I I don't think the Republicans should go head on into an investigation of Hunter Biden's laptop as it pertains to looking into the Biden family. I think that will overall blow up in their face, make the Biden family look sympathetic because they'll throw out the, oh, we were dealing with our poor son who's an addict and blah, 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 blah. What I think they should do that would get the most bang for the buck and do exactly what you're wondering is pursue this as an investigation of the national security apparatus and its interaction with the Justice Department from the FBI and the politicization of the FBI to the politicization of the Justice Department to how is it that social media companies were able to censor, based on statements from people in government, a legitimate story about the Hunter Biden laptop and what is on the laptop that pushed them to do this. Suddenly, that takes on a new light. It doesn't look like it is directly going after Joe Biden, even though it is. Instead, it looks like it's a government reform effort and a censorship enterprise by the government to find out why it was so easy to censor truthful information. That then raises people's uh, specter and information about it. On top of that, the way it you can proceed with this is there are so many now outlets outside of the big three networks and the New York Times that you got Fox News can give it copious amounts of coverage. There are various Substack writers that can give it copious amounts of coverage. The Washington Examiner, the Epoch Times, the Wall Street Journal. There are many other ways to get that information out. So it doesn't look like a hit job per se, but it also covers the information you want covered. They just, they need to be thoughtful in how they pursue the story and they haven't been. You know, one of the groups that is able to amplify conservative voices out there is Patriot Mobile because they fund those causes. Patriot Mobile takes a portion of your profits and gives it to the causes you care about, whether it's the First Amendment cause, the Second Amendment cause, the pro-life cause, or even conservative candidates. They've been battling woke school board members quite successfully. All you do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric today, patriotmobile.com slash E-R-I-C-K. You get guaranteed great service from Patriot Mobile. They use the same cell towers everyone else uses. If you don't believe me, go to patriotmobile.com slash Eric. You can pull up their map. You'll see a little tab at the top of the site for their map of coverage. You can zoom into your house and see just how strong the signal is. Data, 5G, voice, you get it all from Patriot Mobile. You can take your existing phone number and take it to them, or you can get a new phone number. If you have an unlocked cell phone that's not carrier specific, you can bring that to Patriot Mobile so you don't have to worry about a new phone or get a new one from them. Start over clean with Patriot Mobile. If you've got a bunch of kids who need phones, they can give you good discounts. You can also call them, 972-PATRIOT. You get free activation with my name. Tell them I sent you, 972-PATRIOT, or call them. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric or 972Patriot. You're doing business with a Christian conservative company that takes a portion of its profits and contributes those profits to the causes you care about. It's how the company was created. It's why the company was created, but they need you to have a bigger impact. PatriotMobile.com slash Eric. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. Too late to call in. We're almost done. And I got to talk about the end of the world. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Let's talk about the end of the world. There's a story out about the end of the world. Two in five Americans believe that we are in the end times. 
And 58% do not believe we're living in end times, but four in 10 or 39% believe we are. Uh, when you just focus on people of faith, uh, the number goes up. Uh, self-professed Christians, 47% of them believe we are in the last days. The study further broke down the statistic to determine that 14% of such Christians believe that the end of the world will culminate with the return of Jesus and the conditions of the world will worsen until then. Black Protestants, 76%, and Evangelicals, 63%, were the most likely to believe they are living in the end times. Mainline Protestants, 31%, and Roman Catholics, 27%, were less likely to assert they're living in the last days. Uh, we have been in the last days, theologically, we've been in the last days since the resurrection of Christ. Also, I do believe a reading of Scripture any which way does suggest that uh, things will worsen in the world until the return of Christ. I, I think that's objectively, theologically sound to say. But also, you can do nothing about it. I think we live in the last days. Theologically, I am correct because the last days began with Christ's resurrection. Ever since then, we have been waiting for him to come back. And every day you wake up is a day closer to his return, closer to that final day. Regardless of how you see it, however, there is literally nothing you can do to pause it, stop it, delay it, prolong it. Only God knows the day it will be. And so you should not live your life in a perpetual fear, worry, dread, or hope for the final day. You should instead live your day in the present. We learn from Scripture that we should not worry about tomorrow. We should worry about today, and we should give our worries over to God himself. If you have anxiety about the state of the world, get on your knees and pray and ask God to take those anxieties and worries from you. You find God in the present because that's where you are. He wants a relationship with you, and so he is here in the present. You won't find him yesterday. You won't find him tomorrow. You will find him right now. Sometimes you will get to the future, reflect on something that happened to you in the past, and realize then in the future, oh my gosh, he was with me then and there, and I didn't realize it here in the present. I have been profoundly affected by a statement I heard someone else make, and I've now mentioned it twice on radio, and I should mention it again now. We spend an inordinate amount of time on science fiction theses about going to the past to change the future and what we should and should not do to disrupt the future. And rarely do we think about the things we can do in the present to change the future when the present is when we get to the future, the past. So why worry about the things you could have done in the past to change the here and now when you can worry about the things in the here and now to change the future? The thing you cannot change is when the final day comes that you don't know. What I can tell you is this, we are commanded by scripture to love our neighbors as ourselves. And when we are here in the second holiest season of faith for Christians, the coming of Advent and the birth of our Lord Jesus, we should realize God so profoundly wanted a relationship with us. He sent his son to be born of a virgin in a manger, to live a sinless life, to be tortured, tortured terribly, crucified on a cross, and die all so that he could be with us again and we could be restored to him in some way. And so when you're worried about whatever is happening right now, just consider his sovereignty. Don't fret about the end of the world. You cannot stop it from coming. It is outside your control. 
What you control is what you do right now in the present to make the world better for your family, friends, and to love your neighbor. 